Hello, friends. You are listening to Whole and Free, a podcast serving you a heaping helping of encouraging truth to free your soul and make you whole. This is Kathy Schwanke, speaker, author, and encourager of the faithful, here to help you soar on the sturdy wings of truth and love. I don't know if you're familiar with Isaiah 40, but it talks about waiting on the Lord, renewing our strength, and mounting up on wings like eagles, running and not growing weary, walking and not fainting. And that's what that comes from, the sturdy wings of truth and love. We need that balance of the truth and the love. And we're going to talk about soaring today. And the Holy Spirit, he's the wind beneath our wings. He's been speaking through several avenues to bring today's message. What causes me to marvel is the way he speaks and the way there is no end to words or combination of words to speak. And there is no limit to notes in music either. God's people have been making music forever and continue to produce more and more and more. And the making of books Ecclesiastes talks about in the last chapter, there is no end. Well, here I am, a small-scale podcast seeking to encourage any sister or brother who happens to listen here with what God teaches me. As we all know, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything originates with God, and we just borrow from one another ideas, insights, and inspiration for our creative exploits. I started this season of the podcast talking about awakening our hearts. Essentially, everything spiritual is built on the awakened heart. When our hearts are dead, we can't see or hear anything of God. But when our hearts are awakened, we're receptive. When our hearts are awake, they are watching, listening, processing, and reproducing as God intended. Made in his image, we create and recreate. That word resonates with those of us who have remodeled homes. We take something old, strip it down, sometimes to the bare bones, and then revive it. How we love home reno shows around here. Who remembers Ty Pennington calling, move that bus? And shortly after, Chip and Joe, are you ready to see it? Your home makeover. Speaking of makeovers, I've also been a fan of beauty makeovers. As a former hairstylist, I love watching the transformation. For a while, in the early to mid-2000s, maybe around 2006, there were a few beauty makeover shows on TV. We had a tiny undercounter TV mounted in my kitchen, and when I'd go in for lunch, I would often turn on the beauty makeover shows. I had a little gift shop on my farm, and if I didn't have customers, I would head in and watch those shows. Well, the old blog of my gift shop, if you didn't know I had a gift shop, is still up. I ran a gift shop at my home, this is just a side note, from 2004 until 2013 called Bittersweet Farm. And the blog address is bittersweetfarmgiftshop.blogspot.com. I was blessed to have a little home gift shop during my kids' middle and high school years, open only three or four days a week where I could visit with women and enjoy seeing their joy in purchasing gifts or home decor. I love homes, home reno, beauty, beauty makeovers. Well, today I'm going to talk about something that many of us are hearing more about, deliverance. So we're talking about heart makeovers instead of home or beauty. Maybe if you haven't heard of deliverance, you can Google Christian deliverance and you'll find the latest happening there. You'll also find good articles that ask the question, is it biblical? Is deliverance ministry biblical? And I'll link one in the show notes. 
I'm not going to talk about deliverance ministry today, though. I am of the firm belief that when we are born again and the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us, that no demon can coexist with him. I do believe that demons want to shipwreck our faith, though, and they don't want us to live the abundant life, so they will attack our thought life, our health, our finances, our families, etc. Whatever God made good, we can bank on the enemy wanting to mess with. The good news is always that God is sovereign and the devil is on a leash. If you've read Job, you remember Satan had to have permission to attack him. If you've read the dialogue between Jesus and Peter, you'll remember Jesus told Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Luke 22, 31 to 32. This gives us blessed assurance that, in the words of the third verse of my favorite hymn penned by Martin Luther, A Mighty Fortress is Our God is the title, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. God is in control. Satan might threaten, but we win. Listen to one of my favorite verses from 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, that is victory, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. And in Romans 8.37, you might remember that chapter from a couple episodes ago. We read, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I'll just say one more thing about the trend to have deliverance ministries and the especially frightening idea of putting a movie in theaters that preserves to drive demons out of moviegoers that actually happened. In Matthew 12, 43 through 45, we read the red letters of Jesus. The title of the section is called Return of an Unclean Spirit. We read, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it goes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. I'd heard in the movie, or after the movie, testimony of people convulsing and vomiting in theaters during the movie. And based on Jesus' words, it seems the whole idea might be counterproductive in the worst kind of way. If there's not ministry happening around people and demons are coming out, and there's no filling of the Spirit, they're going to end up in worse shape, according to what Jesus said. Well, that's just a heads up for you. What I really want to talk about today, and it's not funny by any means, it's something we need to be attentive to. But what I really want to talk about today is our deliverance out of Egypt. I mean, not literal Egypt, but what the Exodus story represents for all of God's people, our deliverance out of slavery or bondage to sin, and what that means for us as we walk with Jesus through the wilderness here. Obviously, I'm circling back to the main point of my podcast, Living Whole and Free. As we continue to look into our emancipation from the old slave master that caused us such suffering and exhaustion through our dizzy spinning and wild wing flapping, 
A few weeks ago, our pastor preached through the parable of the prodigal son who'd taken his inheritance, bid his family good riddance, and went and squandered it, landing him in a pig pen, feeding pigs who were eating better food than he was. The boy had bottomed out and then came to his senses. He remembered his father's servants had a better life than he was living and decided to go home and offer himself as a slave. You might know the story. While he was a long way off, his father saw him, ran to him, and fell on him, kissing his neck, and showered him with a welcome home party. The essence of the scene is God's amazing grace. God doesn't want us to slave for him. He delivers us from sin so we can dine with him. He detaches us from the slave master, and he brings us through the Red Sea Road of Baptism so that he can move in with us, so that he can move into us, Emmanuel, God with us, the Holy Spirit in us. I know I've mentioned Anne Voskamp's latest and most brilliant book, Waymaker. I read it when it first launched, and I was so moved I've been wanting to reread it. I ended up getting it for free on Audible and have found that I cannot listen without having the words in front of me, so it's taking a bit of time to get through the book, but it's so rich. And what is happening is I'm gleaning more of the deep riches she offers from her studies and from her time spent at the keyboard. In chapter 14, which I listened to last night, she shares a deeper insight into the story of the prodigal son than I've ever heard. In the Jewish tradition, if one lost their family inheritance to a non-Jew, there would be a cutting-off ceremony called kazaza. A clay jar is filled with burned nuts and corn, and the jar is unbroken at the prodigal's feet to symbolize the estrangement, or as Anne uh, said, the severed attachment. The prodigal aims to go back and become a hired servant to earn his way. The father aims to shower grace upon his son, to welcome him home, a reattaching to the father and his home and his family by grace. And grace, brothers and sisters, is the only way we can come home to the Father. Perhaps Waymaker's central message is that the Father makes a way for us to reattach to him. He wants his children home. He offers new mercy every morning. He's always calling us, come, come to me, return to me. Hinging on last week's episode on awakening to the value of suffering, I also read in Anne's book this quote, Suffering can be the friend who drives you where you didn't know you needed to go. And a little further on, she says, Suffering is not our main stress. Estrangement is. The crux of what I'm seeing and sharing today is that the old patterns of thinking are prone to earning or performing. And simply stated, when we do, we're going back to Egypt. We're getting back into the old ditch we've been delivered out of. We don't need demons in us to cause us to fall back or hinder us from going forward in the Lord. They have successfully influenced us to form the old grooves, or what I call fig leaf ways in our brains, which I talked about last week. So I just have to read this paragraph by Anne because no one can say things like she can. She writes, The prodigal may have had a plan of manipulation, but the father has a plan to take all the prodigal's humiliation so there can be complete reconciliation. The prodigal may have had a plan to negotiate, but the father has a plan to extricate, reinstate, and celebrate the prodigal. Isn't that beautiful? The prodigal has a plan to take things into his own hands, and the father only wants to take the son into his arms. Hesed 
or the love of God that Anne has explained fully in this book, holds. Hesed holds, she said, or Hesed. Hesed, <laughs> that's the word um, for uh, the unfailing love and the steadfast love of the Father, the unconditional love of the Father. Anne goes on to say, No created thing can sever us from the love of God who knows that our deepest fear is abandonment and our deepest need is attachment and resolves both by being the deepest love who never leaves our side ever. It's so beautiful. We've talked about that on here, that the most important thing we get is that we are the beloved of God. We need to get that down in our hearts. So deliverance for us as believers is spelled out in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We have another word for that, surrender, right? And verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So being conformed to the world is being self-reliant, is striving, is earning, right? And we can take those thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is our work, brothers and sisters, to mind our mind. When we wander from the Lord, that is, when we stop trusting him with our whole heart and we start leaning on our own understanding, we land back in bondage. We fall back into old ditches. We fall back into striving and earning, and we forget about grace. I don't need to say this, but it's easy to fall back. It's the work of awakening and staying awake in order to live whole and free. If we are in Christ, we have been delivered. It's a done deal. We've already walked through the Red Sea Road of Red Sea Road of baptism. We are no longer slaves to sin or death or fear. Those things are simply tools of our enemy, the slave driver. The only power he has over us is to get us into pride and unbelief, to get us to think it's all up to us or that we don't deserve the love of God. His old trick is to get us thinking God is holding out on us. That's what he did with Eve. Did God really say? Surely he doesn't want you to know good and evil. The original lie that led to the original sin is to question God. The same old, same old. Galatians 5.1 tells us, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That insinuates being awake. Do not let. That's watching. And then 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So freedom moved into our souls, and we just have to maintain what he's given us. To awaken to deliverance then means to awaken to what is already true. Jesus has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of light. When we come into alignment with his word, when we take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, we will walk in freedom. We will stand firm in his will. We will not fall back into the old ditches of our pride and unbelief. We simply need to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by putting out our wings, stop flapping them, just put them out and let him lift us. 
By him living inside of us, we live the life of daily renewal of our mind. This means spending time hanging out with our friend Jesus, listening for his voice, and resting in his love for us. Because you know it's true. When you spend time with people, or in this case our Lord, you become like them, and that's his whole goal for you. All of our life in Christ should be lived as his already delivered but always in process beloved daughters and sons. We need to remind ourselves every day that it is by grace that we stand and by grace that we live. And grace is his gift, the gift of himself, his gift of his spirit, Emmanuel, God with us, and God at home in us. Think about this. The entire story of God is a story of him chasing us, finding us, inviting us, moving into us, and ultimately getting us home into his heart and into his kingdom. So, dear friends, entrust your every breath to Jesus. Resist the devil, wrangle your fears, and walk confidently with Jesus. Remember in your suffering that he only wants you to come home to his heart again or come deeper into his comforting love for you so you can comfort others. And I'll remind you of this again. The Lord Jesus loves you. He died to set you free. He's with you to get you all the way home. Do your part in turning toward him spending time with him, and he will do his in perfecting everything that concerns you. Scooting close, listen for his sweet voice to remind you that you are his beloved, and he has delivered you from bondage in order to bond you to himself. And I'm praying for you to gain traction in living it, your one beautiful life trusting Jesus on the journey whole and free. I'd love for you to subscribe, share this podcast with your friends, leave a review, and I will see you back here next week. Thanks for joining me.